Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Welcome to the Pitchfork Review. I'm Pooja Patel, the editor of Pitchfork. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. I recently had the chance to talk with the musician Leanne Lahavis for Pitchfork's live stream series called Listening Club, and we're going to be sharing that interview with you today. Leanne's latest self-titled album was released a few weeks ago in July. It's this beautiful, genre-bending record about love, heartbreak, and independence. Leanne talked with me from her home in London about self-producing an album for the first time the nostalgia of breakup songs, and what it was like to get some powerful advice from Prince. This album is so much about, like very clearly about love and heartbreak. The narrative of love and like the arc of love on this album Mm. follows kind of patterns in nature and mm. the seasons. And and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think because of how long it was taking to make, I was physically seeing changes in all the nature around me. And for some reason, being more aware of nature. I don't know. I've always liked it, but I wasn't <laughs> ever like a properly, you know... <laughs> outdoorsy but maybe I am that's what I've discovered maybe I really love the outdoors <laughs> but, um, but yeah I was just I think it was also instead of the arc of the relationship per se it was more my own growth and my own adulthood and womanhood so I was seeing myself change with nature and my relationship and the time passing and all of these things just seem to connect. Do you feel like you have any albums that are paired with seasons, like seasonal sense memory albums? For example, your album is a early fall album, but it's doing very well in the summer for me in like my (laughs) spiritual aura. Yeah, no, love that. Yeah, I, I see it maybe as... Not winter. It's. I think it's everything but winter, maybe. <laughs> it's got touches of spring in there and summer and early falling of the leaves. You're right. Everything but death and decay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the opposite, the rebirth and growth, I hope. Love yourself or else you can't love no one else. I know your pain. How does it feel coming off the release of this album? Honestly, it feels really good in a lot of ways. The only way it doesn't feel good is the not being able to play 
life. I know. But everything other than that, like, I'm overwhelmed by the positivity in the response. So, yeah, feels really good. And it's my favourite album, personally, that I've done so far. So to see it getting so much good attention is really amazing. Yeah, it's great to hear that you feel like this is something that might be your favourite Mm-hmm. release it's yeah. my favorite release of yours but this is all <laughs> this is also your first entirely self-produced album mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how that affected how you worked with this like in the creative process in choosing collaborators and kind of how the whole thing came t- together like how did you have to tweak some of your normal music writing processes I think I had to realise while I was doing it that I was in the driving seat (laughs) because I had been so used to relying on, you know, my label, for example, to introduce me to a bunch of producers or people who I saw in positions of authority, kind of relied on them to sort things out for me. And I found that I was happiest when I had arranged things myself, basically, when I had found the the people I wanted to work with myself and I paid for a lot of it myself as well, just kind of going wherever my heart wanted to go. And yeah, it was just a kind of process of discovery. And I guess I had to believe in myself a bit more. Was there ever a moment, like an aha moment, where it was just like, to heck with everyone else. This is me. I have faith in myself. I'm going with it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, there's a few of those moments. But one of them that I remember very clearly was deciding to go to New York to work with Nick Hakim, just like off the cuff. And yeah, we ended up just making a bunch of music together. I just literally spent two or three weeks solely for the purpose of making music with a dear friend. And it was just so amazing. And I was like, even if nothing comes of this, I've had the best time. And I know that this is how I want to do things. Totally. We can hear some of your influences pretty clearly on the album. You can hear you know, Joni on Green Papaya, you can hear this beautiful tribute to Isaac Hayes on Bittersweet. And I'm curious about what else you were listening to and if those references felt intentional on your part Mm -hmm. or kind of morphed into you as you were working on the music. I think it's a bit of both, honestly. I, I, I never used to really acknowledge that music I was listening to was actually influencing me. It absolutely is, like it's all around you all the time. I mean, it's some kind of alchemy that happens when you when you just like something and then you, you're in the studio and then it, it goes through you and then out of you in a different form. This time around, I found myself listening to music with more intent wanting to be inspired and even just going back to things that I used to listen to growing up just because I know I liked them and wanting to feel that nostalgia of listening to something that you liked when you were a kid or you know something from a different 
time period in your life, like a breakup song, you know, and figuring out why it's your breakup song. Yeah. So, yeah, I did a lot of that. And the one that springs to mind is Milton Nascimento, because I've been listening to Brazilian music for a while and always discovering new stuff. And I just can't get enough. That was the first time I saw something actually manifest itself in the music I made afterwards. And the song we made after that was Seven Times. You didn't pay your rent, so I guess you'll be leaving. You made promises that you won't be keeping. So I feel like it was kind of directly injecting that you know, whatever it was that I loved about the Milton tune or whatever I found addictive, I wanted to put it into my tune. It's also interesting to hear you talk about, you know, that nostalgia mm-hmm. or like listening to the breakup songs that yeah. we once found comfort in and trying to figure out why there are breakup songs. Like, what is a go-to breakup <laughs> song? Um, Not to put you on the spot. No, no, it's okay. I remember it so vividly because it was my first breakup ever. And it's Cat Power, uh, a song called The Greatest. Incredible um, song. Incredible song. Incredible album. Once I wanted to be the greatest. And I, I remember the sound of it and the texture was just perfectly in line with my emotions. <laughs> I remember the exact feelings I had back then. And it just has so many layers and it's so dark but it's so fragile and yeah so I yeah that's my breakup song. It's insane how you can be fully viscerally triggered back to yes. that moment in time just by hearing a song. Yeah. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back we'll hear about the times Leanne met her musical heroes and the really great advice that she took from one of them. You come to the New Yorker Radio Hour for conversations that go deeper with people you really want to hear from, whether it's Bruce Springsteen or Questlove or Olivia Rodrigo, Liz Cheney, or the godfather of artificial intelligence, Jeffrey Hinton, or some of my extraordinarily well-informed colleagues at The New Yorker. So join us every week on The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to imagine that a lot of Pitchfork fans were super excited to see Weird Fishes on the track list. And I have to to ask, what is your relationship with Radiohead or that song in particular? Like, how did that make the cut? Well, I'd like to say that we're best friends and (laughs) we're going for dinner, like, after this, actually. (laughs) I am a huge fan of the band. I'm... I just think they're one of the most important British bands of the last 30 years. And I really love that song. That's my personal favourite Radiohead album in Rainbows. Lyrically, I realised that there is no, there's no song on the album that I wrote that specifically says, I'm breaking up with him now. (laughs) So I sort of, I realised the placement of Weird Fishes is kind of the place I was at when that was happening. So I didn't have to say it. 
I had Tom York say it. Tom York at a Billie Eilish concert. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? <laughs> I need to know more I about know. all of that. It's so random, but I was at a Billie Eilish concert and and Tom York, I believe, was there with his daughter. <laughs> um, so we were like in the bar area and it was Tom York and I was like, hello, Tom York. <laughs> I'm Leanne. He's like, hello, hello. But he was in dad mode. He was just uh-huh, like uh-huh. looking after his daughter. Mm-hmm. So I seen like, Billie Eilish and Tom York in the same like night. dad mode in the like no, you can't have any more soda. <laughs> yes, like... <exactly>. basically, <laughs> it was just full of thirteen-year-old girls. Like, oh my god, all going mental, all screaming at the top of their lungs. Well, I I did want to ask. You know, so many people are missing live music right now, and you yourself. Yeah. I mean, it must be so hard to not be able to play this album right now. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking it would be fun. You know, you played shows with everyone from like Prince to Coldplay to Alicia Keys. And yeah. that is just insane to say out loud, first of all. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I can't quite believe that I've done all of that. Crazy. But yeah. I'm wondering if you have a favorite performance or a favorite time that you played live that you could tell us about so that we can live vicariously through the memory of it? I mean, I've got my own personal favorite show of my own, as well as a a show that I did with Prince. I'll take both. I'll take both. Okay. Stories. The first one's just cool because it was my first ever time in Washington, D.C. And I had no idea what to expect on my first American tour. And basically I walked out and like everyone was singing every word of my first song, like way louder than me. I just will never forget that feeling. I just was so not prepared for that kind of response to anything that I had done. And then the other one is probably one of the greatest, most mind-boggling live experiences I've ever had. And it was probably being on Saturday Night Live with Prince. (laughs) And I had to sort of like suddenly disappear from the stage (laughs) to make way for Prince. And I had to like, I had to wear a certain height of heel because I wasn't allowed to adjust the mic stand because obviously (laughs) Prince's height was different to mine. And I just sort of wore these weird shoes that you don't see on stage. And then it was just all so surreal from 
the get-go, like from the phone call to actually being there and rehearsing with him and then it being Chris Rock that was the host and then playing with his amazing band, Third Eye Girl, and then, you know, having Prince singing in unison with me to my left. It was just all incredible. And then, of course, we had an amazing party afterwards. Yeah, I mean, naturally. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything that you've, like, made a mental note of forever in terms of, like, advice or a tip or even a, like, rehearsal note? <laughs> um, I was listening to a particular type of electronic, like, neo-soulish music at the time. I was working on my second album and I was saying, oh, I really like this stuff. I want my stuff to sound like this. And he was like, that stuff is over. You know, you do you, do your thing. That stuff is like, it's already old. And he just sort of knew that it wasn't timeless and that, I don't know, the way he like also angled the encouragement for me to carry on doing my thing I mean it feels like a magical thing for Prince to say to you well exactly I think if anyone else had said it I would have been like shut up (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna listen to what I want to listen to but um just regarding my own direction I think he was right like I can't if I do try to do other things it has to be authentic to me in some way totally thank you so much for coming on Congrats on the album. Absolute pleasure. I highly recommend that you check out Leanne's new album. And if you need some help finding even more music to soundtrack your life, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 917-524-7371. And Pitchfork's music critics will try to recommend you something new. Again, that number is 917-524-7371. We'll take a listen and we'll pick a few to feature on an upcoming episode. The Pitchfork Review is hosted by me, Pooja Patel. Special thanks to Leanne LaHavis for coming on the episode. You can read Pitchfork's review of the record from Eric Torres on pitchfork.com. You can follow Leanne on Twitter at Leanne LaHavis, and you can follow me at Sonari. You can follow Pitchfork on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pitchfork. The interview was recorded and produced by Seth Dodson, Michael Garber, and John Leone. This podcast episode was produced by Caitlin Pierce and our executive producer, Alex Kappelman, with help from our assistant producer, Ben Montoya. It was edited by Todd Whitney. Our original music is by Andrew Epen of Basement Crafts. This episode was mixed and scored by Ben Montoya. Special thanks to Amy Phillips and Julie Shen. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week.